Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. It's me, Doug. If you'd like to check out our podcast episodes live, head on over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash lowercase c slash mindgappodcast for the live stream there. We'd love to interact with you during the show. While you're there, it would mean the world to us if you would hit the like and subscribe button. This little act helps us grow and we'd appreciate your contribution. If you're still in the giving mood, head over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and give it a rating and a review. If you like a particular episode, video, or bit, share it around with your friends. Who knows? You may help another mind gapper find their way into our loving embrace. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindgappodcast. Your subscription will give you access to early content, exclusive videos, special Discord privileges, and more. All right, that's enough for me. On with the show. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And whew, boy, this is a wonderful night. We breathe, have Doug. breathe. A, <sighs> we have some great guests. Some su- we're super excited that they they're here. I'm stuttering already, so let's just get to it. Please welcome Brian and Daniel from the home team. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. This you know is- what that sounded like? That sounded like if you guys ever played Halo, yeah, like yeah. Halo, specifically Halo Three, when there was a skull that you could turn on the grunt birthday party skull, <laughs> and every time you headshotted a grunt, confetti would fly out of their body, and the and it would be like children screaming, "Yay!" Just like I that. Don't remember that, but that's amazing. Yep, it sounded it sounded exactly like the same soundbite. It took me back, and that's why we did it just for you. We don't do that for anybody else. Just for you. <laughs> we had a feeling that that was gonna work. So, Love that. Um, yeah, we're so excited to, to have you here. This is this is great. Um, if you haven't heard the home team, what are you doing with your life? I mean, come on. Also, Get, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, all great questions. These are great questions, and you're going to get answers to all of this very shortly. So, um, before we get started, I want to run through some quick housekeeping, just a little bit of stuff, and then... We're moving on to the main show, which is these two guys. But real quick, if you're new here, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, we are MindGap Podcast. We live stream our episodes on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central. And we also do a video game live stream on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Central. So if you like what you see here, hit subscribe. Uh, come join us. We love to hang out and get to know you a little bit more. Also, uh, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. That's just patreon.com slash Podcast. Go check it out. We'd love the support. Uh, also, please check out our Discord if you want to check out our MindGap community. They're super cool people. Link is in the description down below. You can check out our merch on redbubble.com. And look at that. That's the fastest I've ever done that. Bing, bang, boom. And we're done with it. It's amazing. Well done. Look at that. So, now our stuff's out of the way. Let's turn it over to Brian and Daniel. First of all, for anyone who doesn't know anything about you, please tell everyone who you are. Tell them where they can find you on the socials, where they can support you. Let's run through all that stuff right up top, and we'll do it again on the back yeah. end. We are a band called The Home Team from Seattle. Um, we make mostly rock music, but it's got a lot of different influences. And on the Instagram, we are at The Home Team. On Twitter, we are at The Home Team NW. Uh, on TikTok, we are at The Home Team underscore. Couldn't really nail the same thing. We're working on taking the home team from the 14-year-old kid who had an account five years ago that's been inactive. 
yeah. we're working on that. Working on that. <laughs> nice. Uh, we also have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the home team. We did get that one. Uh, we have a new record out on Spotify, uh, two full lengths and a couple EPs. Um, we are, uh, we're the top, the home team now. So, <laughs> uh, not the hip hop group. We are the rock. <laughs> when you have a generic name, you kind of got a battle for that, right? Yeah, we, we won though. So we're, we're the top home team now. <laughs> now we're we've talking. Been, we've been battling, uh, a lot of mind the gap podcast yeah. from the UK. <laughs> we've had to, we've had to bump our way up the SEO uh, chain on the old yeah. Googles, but yeah, we, we get that struggle. Yeah. Totally a lot, understand. A lot of uh, NYC subway. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the <laughs> London <laughs> tube. You know, mind the gap. Yeah, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we we totally understand. And congratulations on on getting all that stuff back. And and I hope you get all of those socials <laughs> under your control. Yeah. Working on it. <laughs> if there's anything anyone listening can do to help you, like bullying a 14 year old, you know, just. Let us know during the podcast. We, we'll 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 send the troops out. I might just throw back a little bit on bullying a fourteen-year-old. Maybe what you know. Why? What? I just you know. I don't know. All right. We'll we'll cut that out. I don't it know. Seems legit to me. I don't know. I mean, it's probably happening whether we want it to happen or not. I mean, it's the internet, so this isn't live, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you you all just had a, an album release in October uh, called Slow Bloom. Um, for the record, I've listened to it multiple times, and this is full-on compliment. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's such a great oh, album. Thanks. It's, it's really, really good. Um, in particular, I hope you guys are ready for a little bit of some compliments coming your way. Um, Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I really enjoy about um, the band is I think the first song I was introduced to was on uh, the previous album, and I'm a huge pop punk like fan like blink 182 till the day i die that's my band but i also you know fallout boy with the wonder years like if, if it's pop punk odds are i'm gonna latch on to it and enjoy it but i also i do also enjoy the heavier side of things like census fail some tool things like that and i feel like reading like an interview from you guys it seems like you have roots and sort of the metal side of stuff which is really cool because you, it seems the album is so interesting because every song, it, some bands, it's like, oh yeah, I, I see the theme and, and the through line through everything. But with this, like every single song is, a, is, is seems very different from it, from the, from the previous one. And I enjoy every single one of them. Like it's very creative. It's very unique. And I just want to applaud you on, on you. being so unique in what you guys create. So well done. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We uh we took a lot of risks and tried a lot of new things on Slow Bloom that we hadn't done before, and uh, a handful of things that we'd never seen another band um, do before. And feels like it paid off. Feels like people fuck with it. Uh, <laughs> I guess time time will tell if uh, people continue liking it. Could have gone in a lot of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's I. Uh... I, my musical taste kind of goes all over the board. Uh, Doug is much more into the 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 pop. What, what, what did you call it specifically? Uh, pop punk. Pop punk. Yes. Uh, but in hearing uh, your first album and then listening to the, I listened to the second one today. Even for someone who just got introduced to you guys, I could hear a night and day difference between the two albums. And loved the first album. The second one was like butter. I just, I was so drawn to the second album. And I think what it was was what you just said is that it felt like every track had a slightly different it wasn't you weren't leaning too far into just this is our sound you're like 
let's let's fuck around and just make some cool shit and that it came sure. through it very much came through you know, it, yeah. it's funny because from our perspective uh we feel like on the second record we honed in on the direction we wanted to go sure. way better than we did on the first record but a big part of that was trying new things and incorporating new elements that we had never done before yeah. so for instance i mean to, to like take uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum. So we have uh, like the softer songs, Another Night Alone With You and the acoustic song Sales. And at the same time, we have the song Danger at the end of this, at the end of the album, which has like a guest solo from Jeff Loomis, like generational talent shredder. <laughs> and those the like, we feel like it's, we figured out where we wanted to go. And even though if you, if you listen in the like the context of the entire album, it all makes sense, at least you know to mm-hmm. us and our art. <laughs> but if you just if you just place like sales right next to danger, they make no sense. Which is exactly what we did on the album. Exactly. Interesting. Um, <laughs> but that was intentional. Uh, but with uh, our first record, better off, um, it was we feel like way more disjointed because it was it was literally written by like four different people. Mm-hmm. So the way we approached the first record was like, okay, uh, Brian wrote a song. Our bassist wrote a couple songs. Our other guitarist that is no longer in the band wrote a song. Mm-hmm. John, I, John wrote like five songs, our, our current guitarist, our, our only guitarist, I guess. <laughs> um, so it would be like someone writes most of a song, they bring it to me on, on drums, and then we like figure out, we you know add the drums, figure out the structure a little bit, and then bring it to Brian to like bring it to the next level and add vocals. Mm. But most of the songs were just like pretty much fully written by one person. Yeah. Um, and there were different people for all of them. Uh, if we were to explain like which ones were written by which person, it's very clear that there's like this group of songs, this group of songs. Um, but with Slow Bloom, uh, we took a totally different approach to writing everything. Uh, it was Brian, actually the, what was it? Me, Move It or Lose It? That was the first song. Mostly John writing the skeleton and me having a little bit of a bigger hand in the beginning process of writing the songs as opposed to just when my vocals come into play. Sure. Um, yeah, John. Yeah, John started pretty much every song. He 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 made the skeleton of pretty much every song on this newest record. Um, but him and I uh, used to be at really creative odds. And now we get along a lot better creatively because I think we kind of just realize the value that the other person brings to the table. Interesting. Um, I love that. Previously, it was like, I wanted to make everything super complicated and he wanted to make everything super simple. <laughs> that can either be at odds with each other or it can work really well together um, sure. because he can make the backbone in a really simple but effective like chord progression. And then I can come in and add all the frilly shit, like all the all the top layer stuff. And so that this time we worked together a lot more and that's why it i think it did end up being a little more cohesive but a good way to think about it is like think of it like on a on a tree or a chart and the skeletons of all the better off songs were all over here and then me and daniel had to glue them together um on this album the skeletons all started here but then we intentionally brought them in different directions so that's that's a good visualization of how i think about this album and because we we tried so many new things it's really easy for like uh watching all your friends get rich is a great example that's definitely one of the like more say more i don't know flowery is the right way to use it but like the 
it, the whole thing's in a major key. Um, the the horns give it a, a scent like I don't know if circusy is the right the right term, but like give it a completely different feel than like right through me, which is a much darker song. Um, so even though we approached them in like very much the same way and the, like the, the writing process was the same and our intent was the same, the last little bits we added to like, to make the song really pop were like, yeah, exactly. So like watching all your friends get rich has the, the horns section right through me has, uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just tons of production on the back end. Um, right through me has like that really low sub bass at the mm-hmm. beginning, like the really clubby sounding intro. So like, even though if you were to break it down instrumentally, pretty similar though, those things that you add at the end, bring the song in like totally different directions. Um, yeah. Yep. That's how I feel about this. <laughs> That's so cool. Cause I, I am at best a hobbyist when it comes to making music for a while there. I, uh, I was all I wanted to do was I, I went to college and in college I was like the radio station person had my radio show I was just so into music uh, I taught myself to play guitar and some other things and then I went to grad school for music business I was like I'm gonna start my own label I'm gonna do all these things and then I want to be a producer first but then I realized I suck at music theory so if, uh, someone's playing something and I don't know how to coach him on it, probably not going to work out. So uh, I moved into music supervision, so clearing stuff for movies and things like that. I did a couple of independent films, which was really cool. But I've never fully understood the creative process with writing a song. And I don't know, you know, I've never, I'm always just like, tell me more. It's like, listen to comedians talk shop about how they write comedy. I'm like, I don't know how this works. Tell me more. And I I just love hearing, because like, you know, Brian, you were saying just the creative, you know, odds, being at creative odds with each other. Like, what's it like to either be given something that someone else has created and then you're adding to it or you have created something and you have most of it and you hand it to someone else and what's it like to kind of give that piece away or receive that piece? Is it weird to have someone build on it or to tweak it? Is it weird to tweak someone else's? And, and I'm assuming the relationship has to be pretty tight for you to be like, I'm handing you this piece of me. Please yeah. be good. But at the same time, let's make it great. Like, what's that like? Sure. Uh, I, I obviously have a lot more um, experience with the former, which is the um, receiving and then putting my own stuff on top. And honestly, I, I do have to say that a lot of what I create is only as good as what I am given. Mm. Uh, I am I cannot make gold out of a shitty song. And there have been there have been times where this this happened a lot more. In fact, it actually didn't happen at all during Slow Bloom. Every I think every song that John gave me, I was like, this is fire. But during Better Off, there were two or three songs that he gave me, and I really tried to write to them. I'm not even going to say that they were bad songs, but nothing was flowing. I, I literally just couldn't think of anything that I, I liked. I thought of stuff, but I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't think that it was very good. And so, um, yeah, it, I, I, I'm not a magician. I it, everything that I create is just as good as what I'm given, and so. Uh, that's why it's been really fun to kind of grow as musicians together, just because, you know, if you have one person in the band that's kind of lacking on what they do and somebody else who's really just carrying all the weight, that's not fun at all. Um, 
it, it can be fun if everyone's lacking and it's just a laid back, <laughs> it's, it's just a laid back project, right? And you guys don't really have a lot of goals and you're just like, I just want to play music, right? That's right. cool. That's like, do that. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you, if everyone's on their shit, that's exactly, I mean, that's, that's where we're at now. It's like, that's exactly what we were looking for. And so, I mean, Daniel and I, and John included come from bands where we had to drag people through the mud. Um, and so my back was, still hurts. My last band. <laughs> I'm carrying it. And it, it, was, it was one of those things that was like, we wanted people that also had the same vision as us. So, um, as far as having people write on top of what I give them, the the best experience that I have with that is probably going to a producer. And previously, we went to a producer here in Seattle named Aaron, who's really, really great at what he does. And he did our old EP. And then he also did the acoustic songs that we did after Better Off. Cool. Um, and then he also tracked us for Slow Bloom. We ended up having somebody else mix it, but he tracked us. And he he's a really great engineer as far as... Um, his music brain goes. He's he's a he's an incredibly intelligent musician. He has a very metal background, which is mm. why his mixes always come out sounding metal, and that's not super what we were looking for, which is why we had somebody else mix it. But he he's fantastic in his own respect. My point is, he is super hands on when it comes to producing. There are producers that are hands off, like they just want to let you do what you're doing. He is hands on. He will he will tell you his ideas. He will tell you like what he thinks about parts, and that's that's what we were looking for. For a long, long time, um, we were looking for somebody to, to say like, you know, this is this is good, this is bad. Try and do this, try and do that. Um, this time though, we brought in an actual producer. Uh, it was Sky Accord from Issues, the bassist, uh, and Twenty One Pilots. Now, and now he that's probably what we, should, what we should brag about now. <laughs> now we should say the bassist of Twenty One Pilots. Um, but so Sky served a producer role, and Aaron served an engineer role. But really, they were both offering ideas. And Sky just understood our vision to a T. Like he knew exactly what we were going for and he totally elevated it and it was phenomenal. But both of them, um, that, that they are both a really good example of instances where I have had people like tell me what they think of my, what I, what I brought them um, in a really critical way. Like obviously John and Daniel and Ryan will, will tell me if they don't like something. But to be honest, we all kind of stick within our realms as far as like what we're good at. And so we, we're not usually nitpicking the other person, which I think is a really good thing. Sure. Because I'd rather have a producer who's considering all the elements be the one who's nitpicking. Also, as much as like one huge aspect that uh, that Brian didn't mention is you have to have like creative respect for everyone that you're working with. Um, because I, we, I mean, I'm sure we've all, Brian, I'm sure this has happened to you too. Um, we've all been in bands where you musicians didn't respect each other and so one person writes something someone says you know wants to make a change and the other person just says fuck you this is my song yeah and that it is unless you are a god tier songwriter like <laughs> and a proven god tier yeah, songwriter like like if Tosin Abathi from Animals as Leaders says fuck you this is my how my song is going you're like all right you're good yeah, yeah you know what it's fine you know what you're talking about. You write your song the way you're going to write your song because you're, you're going to make millions. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, you know, Beyonce says, no, this is how my song's going to go. Right. Don't really question her. I'm going right, to trust her instincts. Yeah. Um, but when you're in a band and, you know, you're on the way up, if you don't all respect each other, uh, it is very difficult to get things done. Um, we have, and we found like just a really strong mutual respect that we all 
want to get to the same place. Um, we had very few serious arguments uh, while recording this record. Uh, we had a couple. We, yeah, I mean, we but, had, but they're like things now looking back, uh, if we, we'd have to sit down and point out the things we were arguing about and like really explain. And the average listener probably wouldn't would be even, like, I don't even notice the difference. <laughs> <laughs> It's always the way it goes too. Is the things that you're nitpicking over are the things that probably at the end of the day, the your average listener, the person who's the people who are really going to be consuming it in volume, are going to be like, okay, I mean that's cool that you guys were so careful about this one thing, but it sounds good either way to me. I I like it. Yeah, yeah, it, Which, yeah. But I am glad we were careful because it, it, at the end of the day, it's our art, and the, the most important thing, in my opinion, is that we like it. Um, and, it, and it is an accurate representation of us as artists, which is actually one of the reasons why we like Slow Bloom so much more than Better Off, because I don't think Better Off was an accurate representation. It was a good album, but it was not. It wasn't accurate. Yeah, and you can, accurate. I, the the slow. There's just something that when I, again listening to the two side by side over the last few days, like it there's there's a different feeling I get when I listen to Slow Bloom, and like every track on there just hit in a different way and again not that not that the first one wasn't good but the second what you guys did in the second one i definitely think you've you've locked into where you're where you're going or that artistic voice which is so it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're a painter a musician a writer or whatever finding your voice is such a hard task and when you click into it it's noticeable ever totally. i mean you can say the first one wasn't good you're not gonna hurt our feelings <laughs> you're not gonna hurt our feelings <laughs> no, it's like, we know and we're I, at now I will not pull punches. I promise you. But I, I did like the first one. I'm just, I think there's, there's a, there's a, a definite difference in the second one, though, for sure. And as, as a band, too, something that uh, I mean, pe people just don't, people would have no reason to know this unless you, you know, asked us about it. Um, a lot of the, the songs on Better Off were a collection of songs written between 2013 and 2017. So like, there, it's. We, we've been working on stuff that had been sitting in Google Drive for years, wow. even before Brian joined the band. And so it's a, a lot of it comes from different inspirations, not really knowing where we wanted to take the band. How, you know, I'm sure there's a song or two on there from the other guys that aren't in the band anymore that they had in their pockets since like college. And they just, you know, finally found the band to play that riff with right. uh, versus everything we did on Slow Bloom was like, we wrote that while we were writing slow bloom with our inspirations right now. And like our, our taste right now. Um, and also, uh, Brian, cover your ears for this part. Uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the other major things is like when we recorded better off, Brian, you were what? 21, 20, 2016 is when I turned to 21. So yeah. Yeah. So we recorded it in 2016 and 2017. So Brian was like a musician, who had a good sounding voice and had sung for a little bit. Not to mention, I didn't in, in, I didn't begin with singing. I, I started with guitar. Oh. And I spent way more time get, with guitar in my previous band. So I didn't really like seriously start singing until I joined. Yeah, and oh, wow. then after Better Off, there's three years of touring and singing every day yeah. and honing his craft and physically like growing and maturing too, because I mean, vocal cords are a muscle. Right. So like you're literally growing as a human. Um, so listening to just the demos from the slow bloom process, uh, it's for me as just a fan of Brian, it's crazy 
hearing the growth and like the amount of control like you can tell it went from being a kid who could you know who was singing and had a good voice to like oh this guy's like the real deal uh a singer a lead singer Uh, yeah I'm, I mean, I I got my golden ticket. I, I know what I got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you could like literally went from a like basically a kid to an adult who can really fucking sing and knows how to control his voice and what he's doing. So even in just the demos, like you can just hear that the the person singing there was not the person singing on the final version of Better Off. Sure. Which I I, I can add to that. Um. Even I'm when I was sick, <laughs> well, actually, I, the more so when I was recording better off, I even knew that my voice wasn't where I wanted it. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it was one of those things that like, so the guy that we recorded with Casey Bates was phenomenal to record with, but he was very efficient and we, we sped through a lot of stuff, mm. not, not in a de- super detrimental way. In fact, if anything, Sometimes I think it was a benefit because the more and more I harped on one part or got too picky, um, the worse, like the more tired my voice would probably get. Because I remember being much more significantly more exhausted after those recording days than after the slow bloom recording days. And yeah, I even in better off, I, I, I didn't think that my voice was where I wanted it. I don't think I ever told anybody that because I didn't want to seem, you know, not confident. Um because at the time it was still the best that it had ever been, right? Right. Perspective, that right? <laughs> that was the best I could do. So, um, yeah, no, having the three years of touring, honestly, like it, it, any vocalist out there, you want to know how to become good at vocals? <laughs> Fucking tour. That shit will put you through the ringer. Go sing especially every night. If you're, especially if your material requires a lot of oxygen and a lot of breath right. and it's high. And if you're moving around a lot, if you play in a rock band and you want to be a better singer, do 10 DIY tours. That's what it'll take. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, and again, I don't know. I've, I've heard sometimes this is, you know, kind of rude to tell musicians, but I'm going to do it because it's, it's coming from a good place. Uh, when I, when I hear you sing, uh, it reminds me a lot of Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. And, mm-hmm. um, I think he's a tremendous vocalist. I think you are a tremendous vocalist as well. And Thanks. I was, you know, when you know we we got you guys agreed to come on here, and my wife came in, I'm like, hey, check, listen, listen to these guys. It's going to be on here. She goes, sounds like Panic at the Disco. I'm like, that's a compliment, and I'm going to share that. I with think them. so. <laughs> Good. Oh, we sound we sound like a band that makes a living playing music. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. With- cool. That's cool. Because I know some some bands are like, hey, I sound like me. I don't sound like these other <laughs> folks. So I didn't I didn't want to you know assign anything to you but um yeah it, 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 it had some vibes i was like it, you you sound like a yeah. very talent to hear you speak about where you were and where you've come i can tell that you've worked on it and it sounds really good so you sound like a talented brandon yuri oh, shit <laughs> he's good no i can't i get the disco i'm just fucking yeah that's amazing yeah you know so you know what's funny about his his voice this is this is just a little funny anecdote but I have been compared to him for years, even even since I um, started, and it, I think it has to do with like a rounded timbre in the okay. voice, as opposed to as opposed to like a more crisp, shrill one. I think it's a more rounded voice, and over time, my voice has become less and less of that rounded, like thick sound. Mm-hmm. Like when I was if, hearing uh, hearing recordings of me singing ten years ago when I was in high school. Uh, it's so thick and round that it's not even pleasurable to listen to, in my opinion. 
Um, and so that's what he sounded like at the beginning. He had that really thick, rounded out voice. And then I started to get a little more of my higher, uh, like head voice in mixed in with my voice and start being able to belt more and be, be more, more clear and crisp. And I was like really excited. I was like, Oh man, I'm starting to sound less and less like Brandon Yuri. And then he did the exact same thing. He, all of his new stuff, he's, he's like projecting like crazy he's operatic. And it's yep. so, it's, he's so good. And it's, it's just hilarious because now if anybody was comparing my old voice to Brandon Yuri, it was to, uh, fever you can't sweat out and now when they compare my voice to brandon yuri it's to high hopes yeah which <laughs> i mean not bad right <laughs> yeah right I'm not, I'm definitely not complaining but yeah I, I know i know what my voice sounds like so <laughs> that's all that matters um you guys mentioned touring i don't know if this has happened to you yet but i you know i think about some of these bands that have been around you know forever and the idea of them touring and touring and playing the same songs over and over and over again um, I can only imagine that after a long time, I don't know, do the songs get on your nerves? Has that happened to you yet? Where you're like, oh, we got to play this one again because everyone loves it or they need to hear it. Does that ever happen to you? I mean, it, it's there's two sides of this. Uh, one, I want to play the new stuff. Like it's exciting and new and it mm -hmm. satisfies like our art side. Two, uh, if there was a song that was, if we became a one hit wonder and there was a song that made us a living, I'd play for three minutes every night, the same thing. That's fine. Any Anybody that, like, I feel like it's a very privileged, uh, very douchey thing to complain about a song that you've been able to retire off of. Uh, that's really frustrating as a musician trying to make it, hearing big artists complain about a song that that they retired from. Right. Like, I, like, I get it. I'm sure ACDC is tired of playing Highway to Hell and Back in Black, but, like... <laughs> I mean, you, they can do whatever they want in life because they wrote songs that people like. So they each I'd have be cool seven with, houses because of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would be fine if uh, she's quiet was the thing that you know made us a ton of money, or that's the that's the intro song for a lot of people to get to get to us. I'll play that every night. It's three and a half minutes of our lives. Uh, that's fine with me. I think another thing to put into perspective is when you consider somebody's like normal job, like let's say like working at an Amazon fulfillment center, you think those people aren't sick of packing packages yeah. for 10 hours a day, for six days a week. You can play a fucking three minute song for your seven houses. Goddamn it. Right. Exactly. Like put it into perspective. And I mean, it's, there's, there's kind of like a life cycle of a song. And as you're, uh, as the band, progresses and your set length like increases or you know it, it changes from thing to thing so like the perfect example i can think of is uh i saw a metal band called impending doom this is, at this point it's probably like eight years ago um but they at the time they had had like four albums out and they were playing i think second of four on a tour it was like first or second and they were like an established band they'd pack out rooms on their own but they were opening for another band so they had a 25 minute set list they played six songs. They played the big single from the first one, big single from the second record, two big singles from the third, two big singles from the most recent one. And the set was insane. It was killer. They played six songs. Great. Everybody loved it. I'm sure they made a bunch of money. Great for them. Um, I'm sure they would have liked to have played all new songs from the new album, but sure. they'll get that chance when they do their headliner. So like, <clears throat> as much, like we have a, we have a, uh, a couple support tours coming up and, there's songs on the record that we would love to play, but realistically we have a time constraint. So like we have to build our set with that in mind, knowing that 
the goal of this set is to play to new fans that have never heard us before. Um, you know, fans of the other bands, show them the best stuff we have, reel them in so that they, you know, become fans and want, and we like expand our fan base so that when we come back again, we can play more songs from the new stuff that we want to play. And this is a perfect example is the fact that we are probably going to cut my favorite live song from our set. Oh no. Oh yeah. So yeah. On is one of our favorite songs as a band, but it is not one of the crowd favorites. It is Um, the lowest streaming song on the record, which we disagree with. Other than sales. It barely passed sales. Did it? Barely passed. Ah, All right, everyone, you know what to do. All right, let's make these guys happy. Let's start streaming the song on so that these guys can feel like they can play it live. Let's get to it, all right? (laughs) It's uh, going to become a headlining tour song where we get the section to play whatever we want. Right. Yeah. Uh, We're going to switch it out for a more popular song. Y'all can guess what that is. (laughs) We're not going to say it. For the record, uh, several folks are saying that Real World is going to be a retirement song. That's what they're saying in the chat. So. <laughs> that is, uh, is it Kristen that's saying that? Uh, or the Kirsty Kirsty Crab. Uh, Kristen yep. did did start it, and then other oh. people did pile on. So yes, Avery, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of people are agreeing with it. Yeah, we okay. So the little little backstory. First of all, Real World is a song that we like never played live until this last tour, and the only reason we ever played it live, we only played it at two shows on this last tour. One of them. Um, it, real world is a favorite among our Patreon community and the Phoenix show of this last tour was a big Patreon meetup. People flew in awesome. um, from different States and they said, this is the show we're all going to go to. It was a blast. It was really fun to be able to meet a lot of new people and see, see people that we've met before again. And I was on stage. We were finishing out the set, uh, the backtrack of watching our friends get rich at the end of our set was playing in the background, we took a picture with the crowd, and then I received a bouquet of yellow roses and asparagus. It is an inside joke in the in the Discord. I don't really feel like going into it. It's just it's like stupid. that's a traditional gift to give, yes. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and As it, does in Phoenix shows. <laughs> yeah, there's a little there was a little note that said, uh, "We love you guys," and then it opened up and said, "Play Real World." Um, so. You would think, based on our botched performance, that we did not expect that. We actually did expect that, and we did run through it during Soundcheck in Phoenix. <laughs> we still messed it up, but we had never played it live before that tour. So that's uh, something that I don't think people realize. We're like, "Hey, play this song." We're like, "We haven't practiced that. Like, probably not we, a good idea." <laughs> we knew that was going to happen. Um, Real World is a fantastic song in its own right, but it was kind of one of the sore thumbs of better off what's funny is that i think it's actually more like our new sound than most of the better off sound it would, songs yeah it would probably fit in which funny story about real world i don't know if i mean all the people all the patreon people that are watching this are gonna are gonna appreciate this um i don't know if we've ever talked about this but that was one of the songs that john and i got into a pretty big argument about having on the record um my my perspective was I thought the song was so good that we were wasting it, putting it on our, on our debut album because mm. it wasn't going to get the attention that it deserved, which is exactly what happened, which is, I mean, that is what happened. <laughs> uh, so I thought that that song was like, like basically like radio, like uh, quality. And that could be a thing that is like a, a one hit wonder situation. Like I, th- I had very high hopes for that song. 
Um, John's perspective was we need to put this on the record to show people what we can do and like what we're capable of doing, basically. Best foot forward, uh, if you will. Yeah, it uh, made it on the record. Uh, it is a sleeper song. It is a, a lot like a lot of people got really into it, uh, despite the fact that we didn't promote it at all. Like we, we didn't do a music video for it. It wasn't a single, mainly because it was a contentious song in our circle. And the, we had other songs that were a little more like our sound and a little more digestible. And so um, although I, I say that, but real world is like the most digestible song. I can think it's. Of. Yeah, it's man, very easy to we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. We just put a bunch of shit out and see what sticks. We, <laughs> we what the, the the opening track on Slow Bloom, Move It or Lose It. Um, I thought that was going to be the fucking one, baby. <laughs> it was it was basically like Slow Bloom or not uh, right through me and Move It or Lose It were like one and two. We were we weren't sure which one was going to be the crowd favorite. Um, but so we ended up doing dropping those as the first two singles. Uh Right through me, blew me. It's, really out of the it's water, not yeah. even close. Like people, the the fans know "Move It or Lose It," but like people who aren't really fans of the band know "Right Through Me." Yeah. So like that song is blown "Move It or Lose It" out of the water, and it's the first "Move It or Lose It." It's the first track on the record, so position it wise, a, it has a bump. Yeah, it should be the track that gets played the most because sure. people hear it first. Uh, but that is not the case, and we don't know what we're doing. No. <laughs> I oh, isn't that uh, that that's got to be amazing, right? Like you, this is gonna be the one. This is gonna be the one that's gonna do it, and then it's just, it's just. Hey, we happens. were just talking about on right on. We were like, dude, people are gonna go fucking nuts when they hear this song. <laughs> to, to us, like I man, I used to envision before we before we went on tour. I envisioned the like the lead up to the, like drum only intro and then we had some extra stuff in the tracks that were only going to be there and not weren't on the record i would like get goosebumps in the shower thinking about this thing and we'd start playing it and people were like <laughs> yay swing beat yay <laughs> yeah people nobody knows this it's all right <clears throat> we do have a theory though that uh that's the song that is actually uh, ahead, ahead of, of our fans time since we all fell apart was the last song was the album or jesus christ the song on the previous album that was like that we thought that was going to be the one yeah and that one sounds the most unlike other than fashion forward that song sounds the most like our new album the sound wise um and it did not do well at all like she's quiet was what did really well um, Which we we actually didn't even do a music video for She's Quiet because we were like, yeah, whatever. It's gonna be a it's the okay song. <laughs> right. So Turns out that that is by, by far, far and away the most popular song. Yeah. Um. Anyways, since we all fell apart, we did we we ended up doing an entire new album that sounds more like that song, and now everybody loves it. <laughs> I think what's gonna happen is our next album is gonna sound more like On. And everybody's gonna go fucking nuts because they're gonna be ready for it. <laughs> you, them. you planted that seed. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. We gotta have one song on every album that precedes the next album. I love it. The thing that I think a lot of people forget too when they try to get into the music business is that second word. I think that's such an operative word, the business side of it. And like you guys, just hearing you talk right now, you've even though you say we have no fucking idea what we're doing. Obviously, you guys put a shit ton of thought into the business side of this. And I think that is extremely commendable because there's there's art. We were talking a little off mic, I think off mic, maybe on mic. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, was uh, uh, being able to to as an artist to 
monetize or to uh, have a business mind about the art that you're making. A lot of people feel like it's dirty or it's gross or you're not being true to your art or you've sold out or whatever the fuck. But you guys, I, I definitely think that you need that second word. If you're in the music business, that's key. And you've got to think that way. And you've, you've got to have, uh, even if even if you're like, we're going to try this and it crashes and burns, at least you thought of a plan and now you can pivot the next time you put an album out. Like you, you learn from what didn't work last time. I mean, the truth is bands are basically content creators, but the con the main content you put out is the music. And when we're on tour, we're just a traveling t-shirt company with elaborate <laughs> you know, pop-up shops. That's, that's really all it is. Cause there's more, there's way more money to be made in clothing sales than there sure. is in any other part of, uh, of being in a band. Um, uh, it, it's, we're just in a different time now than we were 20 years ago. The, the days of bands getting 200, $300,000 advances to go do records and just live on, uh, like on label money is mm -hmm. gone. That doesn't exist. That's just not how it is. Unless you're huge. Um, I mean, unless you're massive, but they still are finding other ways to make money. Right. Um, it's, it's all about like finding the 20 different ways you can monetize the the band and building the whole thing up together so like merch gigantic merch is we, number one for sure i think on um, on our last tour we probably made 10 times as much money on merch as we did on door money Damn. um that's just how it is um patreon has been a huge thing for us um also actually to, to take a step back uh there are a lot of bands that live that basically live by the traditional model of okay we're going to record some music we're going to release it we're going to go on tour and we're going to sell stuff to people then we're going to come home after the touring cycle is done start writing the next album and repeat and that totally worked for a lot of bands for a long time um covid completely changed that and who knows what touring is going to look like in the future. Um, I'm starting to see people and other bands on Twitter basically saying like touring's fucked and we're, you know, things are just going to go back to lockdown and, or tours are just going to be constantly canceled over and over again. Um, and so the reality is you have to be able to find other ways to engage your fan base and to, I mean, to put it bluntly, you have to find other ways to make money because is as much as, we love the art side uh, of doing it. We can't continue to do the art side if we're not finding a way to make money as a band. And that can be really challenging. Um, when COVID hit, we were very fortunate that we were at the end of an album cycle anyway. And we were about to, I, I remember literally sitting at the end of the last tour, we were in like a Planet Fitness parking lot, like one in the morning, taking showers, waiting for everyone to come back to the van and i just told brian and john like we got to be ready to like not really tour next year because we have to write this album and you know we're probably not going to get any tour opportunities because we're at the end of the album cycle uh just happened to work out that there was no touring anyway mm -hmm. um and then that really gave us the ability to pivot and start doing more video content um we started the patreon that we've been talking about for a while but hadn't really taken the steps to like to get it set up um patreon ended up being a huge motivator to like pump out content and to engage with fans that we didn't really honestly we didn't know were like 
we didn't know they fucked with us as much as they did. That's that's the truth of it. Um, so on top of being like a boost for us to actually get like sit down and start producing the content and show people the steps along the way, um, it was a big like confidence booster showing like, okay, we are like really building something here. You know, we thought it was going to be like 10 or 20 people and we're up to a hundred, like over a hundred now. Congratulations. And, yeah. That's amazing. And it's amazing. thank you. It's a, we didn't think we were going to get here. Um, Not this quick at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it ended up being a big like confidence booster too, of saying like, Oh, people actually do like what we're doing and they want to help support us. So like time to, you know, fucking hit it and like get this record out. That's amazing. And for the record, uh, folks are saying, you know, they would gladly be down for an only Dan's account, you know, daily Dan picks, you know, that's apparently what the chat is saying. So, uh, you know, they're on that. He doesn't have to keep doing selfies. I'm just saying you look at the monetize. Let's monetize all of it. There you go. I hear him get up at three in the morning to go get a bowl of cereal. I'll just like creep around the corner and just take a picture of him underwear eating cereal. That'll be cereal. Dan. Right. (laughs) There is, there was actually a series called cereal with Dan for a little while. Back when we were really struggling to find ways to uh, produce content, I should bring that shit back. You should bring that people, shit back. People Patreon, o- Patreon only, baby. Apparently, they want more wet Dan too. Yes, yeah, wet Dan has been mentioned a lot in what's, the chat. Uh, what's what's wet Dan? What Dan? What's what Dan? What's what Dan? Every weird. <laughs> we should probably just. Uh, well, this is these are the the inside jokes that come from uh, from the Patreon Discord you're, community. You're looking at it. Uh, <laughs> we did a photo shoot in LA when we were filming the Right Through Me and Move It or Lose It videos. If you saw the video for Slow Bloom, there's mm-hmm. a scene where Brian is singing in a rain room. Uh, we also did some pictures in there. Yep. Uh, and there's a couple really goofy ones, and uh, I am wet. <laughs> and I made it. I made a shot as a joke. I took a, a, a just a clip of his face. I think it was like a <laughs> like that. no. It was sharper than that. It was like <sighs> was it was it the one? Um, I don't. I don't even remember what it was. Maybe I had my hand on John's pregnant belly. That was a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. The I made a react in our Discord and everybody could just put the wet Dan and I just I labeled it wet Dan and then beyond from it just exploded from there. Everybody was cracking up about wet Dan. That is fucking amazing. That's incredible. I I mean just from the small in it like tipping our toes into the Patreon community heavier. I love them all. You have you have some great fans here. I love all of you here. You're amazing. I love the inside jokes. Justin and I are trying to do something similar. Uh, with our podcast, we're just slowly building a little community of folks, and it's been really cool, especially in the pandemic. It's been our way to sort of like connecting more, which is weird for me. I was at this training the other day for work, and the, they're like, how are you feeling with during the pandemic? And I was like, connected. And they're like, huh? I was like, this is the most what? connected I've ever been, because people are all at home, and they can play games with me. So I'm feeling yeah. I have more connections <laughs> and friends, friends than ever. I have friends. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's so dope. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, just the the way that we've approached the band. I come from like the business side of things is what's always really excited me. And that, that's been the thing that like I've, I've always just even since I was since I was in high school, like I remember sitting like Friday and Saturday nights, I'd be like doing merch inventory and rolling T-shirts in front of the TV, you know, at home. Um, so like that side of things has always been the thing that I was like, I felt I was good at and that I really enjoyed. Um, the, obviously the art music side that too, but like the thing that 
I know that I really bring is like the how to run the band and how to do all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the exciting shit like doing, you know, paying sales tax and, <laughs> you know, sending out our, our W9 to everyone. So important you know, that, that though, right? It's so important. Exactly. Like you've got to know that stuff and no one, no one talks about that when you're starting a band, right? Should we be an LLC? Should we be a sole prop? Like what's, what do we do? You know, and we waited as long as possible to become an LLC, right? Yeah, I was <laughs> year one. I was running all of the band money through my own personal bank account with an Excel spreadsheet for a long time. Uh, and I had they had trust and confidence that I was not embezzling the hundreds of dollars we would make the, for the myself. Whole hundreds. <laughs> wow. Like, I, I feel like I need a practical Dan. <laughs> On, on one shoulder because I have a practical Doug right. on the other and I feel like practical Dan and practical Doug would get along really well as we uh, you know move through things because remember to file your quarterly sales tax see this guy <laughs> this gets the, it this is the sexy side of rock and roll right here <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know there's different taxes based on the state that you perform in ooh <laughs> right. god do you have tax let me you tell you about Illinois this month <laughs> oh yeah oh we're going to Illinois let's see what those tax rates are going to be <laughs> That's amazing. Here on Mind Gap Podcast. <laughs> so um, you guys have talked a little bit about touring. You guys just finished a tour. You've got another tour coming up. Are you guys excited for it? Oh, yeah. We are nice. very excited for it. We yeah. have uh, been working for years to get to the point where we get the opening slot on bigger tours. Uh, last or In 2019, we opened four dates for Don Broco's first U.S. headliner. Oh, sweet. And that was like... The dream. Literally a dream come true. That was like the best thing that had ever happened to the band. Uh, and we only got to play four of those dates. Uh, they were packed. Yeah, Still, but it you know. Was, <laughs> it was fucking sick. And um, we met a lot of new fans. Like, we, we made a lot of new fans on that door. But they made a mistake. They put our name on the flyer uh, for the whole thing. It, it said that in, with an asterisk that we were only playing the first four dates, but not everybody knew that. So a lot, we still got throughout the entire tour, got lots of people being like, "Oh, I missed your set." And I'm like, "Yeah, you did. Catch us next time." <laughs> you already, without doing minimal work, you're like, "Cool, we'll see you the next time we come into this market." You know, because that's how you yeah, got to talk we, about we, it. What's yeah, your biggest market, Dan? Thing. What's the market you perform the best in, Dan? Ooh. uh... They, on the last tour, actually Sacramento, we had the most people. Seattle, we would have had more, but we picked a small venue um, so that we could sell it out. Nice. So our hometown show sold out, and the next one we do will be at a at like the the next size up venue. Um, but like Salt Lake, Phoenix, and Sacramento, those are, are three really good ones. Are probably the the three, yeah, the, the three best markets that- for us. Sometimes they can be even better, be better than Seattle. Sometimes. Wow. This time around, it wasn't the case. Seattle That's pretty cool. You guys ever make your way out to Chicago? I was going to say, I got to yeah. ask a burning question. Why is we that on the tour? Um, <laughs> we're, oh, we're playing. Uh, so February this, 13th. E, or is it 14th? No, I think it's the 15th because the four, or it's the day after the Super Bowl, I think. Yeah. So maybe it's the 14th. This website um, needs to get updated because I do not see that on here. Oh yeah, it's uh, Chicago, it's, Illinois, February fourteenth, February oh, Valentine's Day. Valentine, ooh, ooh sexy. yeah. I was like, I didn't see that on here. What the shit? But now that's there. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Uh, so interesting for the business mind. Um, 
for the position that we're in now where we're like the opening band um we have zero say <laughs> and no input whatsoever on where these tours go and honestly it's kind of nice it is the <laughs> first time the every tour with the exception of the don of the four don broco dates every tour we've done was booked by me and our booking agent um it's a lot even of this work yeah even this last tour um i've been i booked my first tour in like 2011 maybe 2010 on myspace like that's when i started booking tours which nobody knows this but myspace was the sickest for bands and for booking yeah. tours because you could go to the music section and look up bands by city and by genre and there would just be a like a infinite list ranking them by like number of plays or number of friends and you could just hit them up and you, could, like, you hey, could hey i'm booking a tour dude you can message them directly on on myspace i booked my first tour for my deathcore band that no one gave a fuck about we had no reason to be to be touring um just straight off of just hitting up every band i could find being like yo i'll book you a show in seattle if you book me a show in phoenix uh same concept applies to to now only some people care about us and we've developed relationship with promoters so like we, now I can just hit up the promoter and they'll work with us. Um, not the case five years ago mm -hmm. when we were uh, trying to make anyone care. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare, honestly, logistical nightmare. And uh, I commend anyone work. who's doing it. So uh, I couldn't believe MySpace was that uh, beneficial to bands. I had it's like it was like a hidden feature that no one else needed outside of bands on MySpace. Or if you were a music fan looking up bands in your area, sure. uh, you could also Amazing. just look at like the entire United States. So you could go and like just select, you know, world or U.S. or whatever and, and do like, uh, you know, pop punk top 50 bands. And it would, you know, start at Fall Out Boy, Panic the Disco and work its way down. Yeah. Um, that but you could use that same tool for finding bands in other areas. And there's nothing like it now. It That's was amazing. like uh, I'm sure if MySpace existed now, they would have a way to monetize that. Like I would pay if, when I were, when, when we were just like strictly DIY and we had no team behind us or anything, I'd fucking pay a subscription for that like forever. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> oh shit. There's my new, there's a new business idea. How hey, do I take this? Hey, there's, oh. there's a market for it now. <laughs> Got to get some developers on this shit. Make it happen. Right. Make an app. Next great <laughs> app. Let's get it. Let's do it, baby. Monetize. <laughs> What's uh? I'm I've always been curious for uh for Doug and I kind of came up together in uh, the improv scene in Chicago and before we would go out and do shows, most improvisers have like a pre-show ritual or what they do backstage to get themselves hyped and things like that. You've heard in interviews, uh, the Foo Fighters have one of my favorite pre-show rituals that they do. And what so to get yourselves to get yourselves hyped to come on stage, quench the nerves or, or or quiet the nerves or anything. What do you guys do? What's the what what is the ritual to get you out there and pumped? So mine is far less mental and far more physical. Um, okay. Obviously, I have to warm up quite a bit because I'm a vocalist and I'm singing at the top of my lungs. Um, but one thing that I do that has helped me for years, like long, like I think I've been doing this since like 2017. Um, is I go for a run before every show. Uh, it, it does a lot. So there's a couple, couple main things opens up my lungs. That's, that's a big one. Uh, just because it gives me a little bigger lung capacity. 
And sometimes I'll sing on the run. I won't sing super loud, but I'll just like start like warming up the, you know, warming up. And then um, a couple other things that it does is let's say I ate three hours ago and as opposed to four hours ago, and I'm still at the tail end of my digestion and, you know, I'm still like feeling just a little bit of a little bit of gassiness. I will burp and fart on the run and not on stage. (laughs) Doug. So you need to go for a run before we do. I don't like running, Justin. You know this. All right. Yes. But you're losing weight. It's going to get easier for you. And also, we have to find a way for you to stop burping mid-sentence on the podcast. No, I refuse. It's part of our charm. It's Doug's trademark move. If you're eating or drinking during the podcast, then running will not do anything for you. See, Justin, running. This is what I hear. Running will not do anything for you. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to hear. fucking hearing. You said Um, it. Clip it. The the third thing, I guess, is a little mental. Um, it does make me feel better. Um, I feel clearer. I I often also it, it also um, I don't know if I do have any nervous energy for the show. I don't really get nervous for a lot of shows anymore. But there are a couple that uh, if if it's like a big deal show, then I'll I'll get a little bit nervous and um, it'll definitely cool me down a little bit i'll, I'll feel just a little more level-headed um sure. yeah i, I gen- generally just feel a lot better when i work out and exercise in general yeah um so yeah it's it's there's a lot of benefits to doing it i i'm honestly confused why more musicians that play in rock don't do that or at the very least don't do some sort of physical warm-up like yes vocal warm-ups is a thing guitar warm-ups is a thing drum warm-ups is a thing but also like physically warming up the rest of your body because i i feel like performing is such a physical endurance based thing that if you're not if you're not warming up a you could hurt yourself b it's gonna take you a couple songs to get into it and then you've sacrificed the beginning of your set and i don't know everybody's different that's just what works for me yeah honestly i don't i don't do any sort of drum warm-up beforehand i just like literally as i'm sitting on stage waiting for the very beginning while we're getting everything set up um i'll just like tap on my legs a little bit uh the physical warm-up is a much more important thing um and now i understand why all my coaches growing up made us warm up beforehand i didn't get it uh until i became an adult and started to literally feel the difference like once you get the blood flowing in your hands um i have no just notoriously cold hands Mm. um and so if your hands are if your hands and arms are literally cold it's hard to just do everything correctly um so i'll go jog a little bit um if there's a big enough like space uh like in the back room or somewhere i'll just like run you know kind of like suicides back and forth uh jumping jacks push-ups whatever i in whatever space i have do some sort of exercise just to like get my blood pumping and get my hands like warm. And then once I can basically feel the blood like flow, once I can feel the blood flowing in my veins, uh, <laughs> once um, my heart starts up and I can have blood in my veins again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, once I can feel like the blood starting to pump, then I know that I'm like physically ready and like capable of playing uh, without doing that. I just suck for the first couple songs and there's really no amount of like, I, you'd have with drum warmups, I'd have to literally accomplish the same amount of playing to warm my full body up. But sure. sitting there playing on a pad doesn't really warm my hands up. So right. I get a much better, like bigger benefit out of like running and doing jumping jacks, basically. 
That's awesome. That's so important too. I agree. Like just I, for the longest time I would, when I was growing up too, I'd be like, cool, let's go lift weights. And I just walk in and lift weights. And I guess back then you could get away with that. But now as a 38 year old man, I'm like, no, we must stretch for 20 minutes. We must walk three miles before, and then we can commence with the lifting because my body will hate me. If I exactly. just walk in and be like, ha ha, no, that's not a good idea. So, <laughs> no, just, man, sucks. Yeah. Getting old sucks. Yeah. It's you not fun. hurt. <laughs> Takes forever to recover. Stupid. I have uh, also stretching is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, stretching right before. Uh, personally, I get nervous before I do anything. So, I'm nervous before every show that has never changed. That'll never go away, I don't think, for me. Um, but it's like, a nervous energy it's like it's like a positive thing i know it's gonna happen so it's, it's fine it's not like an apprehensive or like anxiety driven it's more like just i'm fucking ready like i'm about to do the thing and the thing's about to happen i gotta go do stuff and then once you start it's fine yeah well there's an element i think of excitement to it too right like that's i've heard a lot of people talk about the minute that you stop getting nervous is the minute that you should be done with whatever you're doing because that means you don't give a shit about it. Like if you're nervous, that means you care. It means you're excited for the thing. Your adrenaline's up. And so that that telltale sign, the minute you stop getting nervous, you're like, oh, okay, do I really want to do this anymore? Because if I don't care about it. So sure. I, I love the fact that you still get nervous. I We used to, in high school, I was in a, a garage band. Uh, and I remember... And I'm sure it wasn't like a healthy nervous. I remember like getting like, like making myself next to sick. I was so, and we played, I mean, the most we played in front of was probably what, 20 people at like an open mic thing. But I, in my mind, I'm like, all right, we're coming out. Like it's Carnegie Hall style, baby. We're going to, and I just, I remember getting so nervous and hyped up over it. And I don't think I would have been a good musician as a career because I don't, I could never bring the nerves down. Like if it ever came spotlight on me even if i was singing back up on a song like i could barely play the guitar my hand was just shaking so much so i i respect the fact that you guys can actually get out there and you can be nervous but you can pull back in and rein in those nerves a little bit too but what people I don't understand say- is that justin thrives under pressure and our very oh, first dude. improv show justin oh, came shit. to play he came to play he was given a terrible suggestion from the audience he was sabotaged he was the first one up the guy delivered, so that's why Justin is special. So Justin, you're the convenience store clerk, and your your customer is a bear. Go. <laughs> it, was, it was a little worse than that. It was the day that uh, Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Mandela had died, and so we're like, "Can we get a suggestion from anyone from anything?" And someone goes, "Nelson Mandela," and I was hosting, and I didn't know that you could say no. I was like, "Cool." <laughs> Nelson Mandela, Justin, take it away, and it was. And, and so I step up to the curtain. I'm like. Oh fuck! <laughs> what do you do with this? I've first ever improv show that I performed at, and I was so yeah, it was yeah. fun. And he thrived. I, I will say there's two two things to add to that. Um, one, the preparation you make beforehand is the most important thing um, to that. Like, I if I have to go, I mean, I, the the way I think about it is like. I remember back to high school or college, like uh, presentations in front of the class. Um, if you try to just like memorize your lines real quick, you're going to make a mistake and you're going to trip over your words and you're going to fuck it up. Um, if you know the material inside and out, 
then it doesn't matter how much you practice the speaking part of it. You're going to be able to get through it. Assuming you don't like, you know, clam up and puke in front of the class or something. <laughs> but like, if you if you know the material inside and out and you're like well-versed and prepared, um, going up on stage is, you'll get over it once you start because you just know everything. Right. And, um, and even if you don't know your lines. Like yeah. even, if you, even if you write down a script and you, you try and memorize it, if you know what you're talking about, you can just start talking about it. You're like, I know what this is. I'm just going to communicate it to the class. Like some people are obviously better communicators than others, sure. but at the very least, you'll have something to talk about. Yes. If you trip over your words on a sp specific script, all you have to talk about is the rest of that script that you can't remember. Exactly. Um, and the other thing, uh, performing to smaller crowds is way harder than performing to bigger crowds. <laughs> right? Fuck yeah. So <laughs> when you when you can see individual people's faces like and it's not a general crowd vibe yeah. this is way harder yeah right. like i would i mean obviously i'd rather play to a thousand people than than 20 but like if if i can see specific people and see the gaps in the like in the room around them and i know when that you know when the person with the blue shirt walks out of the room or like when they look bummed right. like it's way harder because you are playing to 15 people that are looking back at you and they're all thinking about you and you're thinking about them and it's just a fucking nightmare. Right. But when you're playing to hundreds of, I wouldn't say thousands, because I've never, I've rarely played to thousands of people, not for any of our music. Um, when you're playing to hundreds of people and it's a sea or there's just like a crowd, you yeah. can't see when people are walking out. You just, you know, a, a big chunk of people are dancing and jumping up and down or whatever. And it's just, you're playing to the sea of people. So you can kind of like disassociate any particular face. That's that's yeah. fascinating because anyone who's never been on stage before, that sing that sounds so opposite of what logic would dictate, right? Like just yeah. oh, I have to walk out in front of a thousand people and it's no big deal. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like twenty people has got to be way easier, but I never thought of it in the sense of you're able to pick out you're watching, you know, Ted walk right out the door and you're like, Ted, come back. I'm sorry. You know, exactly. And like the thought of, you know, you're being at the family like Christmas party and your mom saying like, oh, Daniel plays the drums. Why don't you play drums for us? Like, it's fucking <laughs> terrifying. Oh, that's the worst. It's like, oh, you yep. guys do improv comedy. Tell us a joke. It's like, first of all, that's not what that is. And second of all, no. <laughs> No, that's that's not what this is at all. So it's, it's also not like it's not the right venue for this to happen. <laughs> right? No, you, in no in no sense. Also, I don't play the type of drums that a, a small group of people would want to watch in an intimate setting. Like that's not. There like, you go downstairs. Go, bring your drums. The whole drum kit up to the living room. And then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, let me press press play on my backtracks real quick. <laughs> Like it's a completely different thing. Right. Way harder to play to few people than it is to play to hundreds of people. Because it's it's a, it's a crowd. Whatever right. you've played, I've, I've played to crowds before. I will play to crowds again. I don't have to know any of them. Uh, way harder when you know the people, or they're sitting up front staring at you, and I'm like, oh, that's Kristen. Yep. I see her. <laughs> that's that's why Seattle and hometown shows and city release shows like big hometown shows are usually the most nerve wracking because a lot of people that I am going to talk to many times after this are there <laughs> watching. So gotta love it. <laughs> well, earlier uh, Doug had brought up the fact that he uh, has this little 
entity that sits on his shoulder called Practical Doug. And we have a segment on the show called Ask Practical Doug, where anyone can submit a question and they can uh, suckle on the teat of practicality, uh, as one might say. You like that? that? Yeah. You know what? So I'm on. I'm all for it. We're going to say that moving forward. That's always going to be your spiel. <laughs> to suckle on the practical <laughs> teeth. Yeah, suckle on the practical teeth. Whilst listening to the intro. You got the questions. We got the answers. All you do is ask. Practical. 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 Ask. Practical. Duh. Now, if you guys want to dig in deep on how we created that, you know, got together and what our skeleton was, we can talk about that another time. That's for our Patreon if you guys want to figure that out. But, you know. That's off for a junior album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> junior album. Just, just called Sounds of the Mind Gap. Um, so, again, Ask Practical Doug. If you follow us on any of our socials, uh, you can or subscribe to Patreon or, you know, watch our live streams. You can submit a question on our Discord, too. We have an entire Ask Practical Doug channel dedicated to it. And if you want to know the answer to something, you can ask. Today, uh, we're going to give you guys the chance to to pick which question we ask Practical Doug. We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different questions that have been submitted so you guys pick one through six. Which one would you guys like? I'm assuming these are in the chat. They are not. Oh, no. we just oh, picked oh. a number one through six. Five. Five. All right. Number oh. five. Oh, boy. So this week's Ask Practical Doug. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> this one is uh, has been submitted uh, by our own Wolf's Lore. So thank you, Wolf, for hey. submitting this one. Uh, perfect, perfect choice on this one, too. Um Okay, so Wolf wants to know, hey, Doug, what's the best way to tackle overpopulation? Is it birth? Is it limit births, calling the population via lottery or a purge? Do tell. Wow. Uh, I love this what Can a great question. You? Uh, you answer first. You we want our, our, our uh, so my practical side, first question is, are we really overpopulating? I've heard that our births are declining. So that unto itself may be taking care of the problem, right? So uh, otherwise... Um, I think the most practical way to do this, boy, I don't know, man. I'm going to a dark place. This is mm-hmm. uh, this is not good. But I remember there was a bit from Bill Burr. <laughs> He's talked about this several times on his specials, but one of them was he would start with like a test that you have to essentially fill out, and if you don't get a certain grade, you just walk into the ocean. And he goes, if you look <laughs> under your seats, you'll find your you'll find your test. If you didn't bring a pencil, you're already out. Get in there. <laughs> so, um. I think uh, I don't know, man. This this is really dark, this but is a uh, loaded question. This is a super uh-huh. loaded question. Um, I kind of like the idea of a Thanos option, where it's just a lottery, right? It's fair, right? Where just yeah, 50-50 chance you come up. It's just rock paper scissors. If you win, you get to stay. If you lose, flip a coin. You gotta go, and that's just. Avery in the chat said the same thing. She said full blown Thanos snap that shit. Yeah, right. It's fair, right? I think that's the end of the day. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be like, oh, we have to decide, like, oh, who gets to do this. It's, it's no, everyone's up for grabs. If if that's what it comes down to, I think Thanos is not only efficient, as he's made it clear in a lot of his stuff, but also it's right. fair. He was right. Uh, Brian Daniel, what do you think? So there's a. I mean, here's our, okay, maybe you agree. I don't know. Here's my <laughs> radical, uh, radical liberal solution to this problem. Uh, <laughs> mandatory vasectomies for all males with a, uh, with a three prong sperm bank 
uh, mandated by the government, all in different locations. Uh, that is the solution. You can, anybody can, it's all free, all government paid for by our taxes. And uh, you can choose to have a child whenever you want to, but you have to choose. No accidental births because you have to make that decision. Everyone's shooting blanks. No un- unwanted pregnancies. I can wow. Interesting. You know what? I, like I think it. I like both of these options. If you all think have an idea which option you prefer, let us know in the comments. Nano <laughs> snap or tiny snip. Your choice. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That was absolutely wow. amazing. That is so good. Yep. Absolutely. So there you go. That was asked practice. We talk about taxing the rich. <laughs> We've come to the political. I get. I knew. I knew practical Dan and practical Doug would get along. This is like I'm sitting there going, "This makes perfect sense. This is great. I'm on board for this." <laughs> Whoo! Oh, fantastic. Um, Doug, do you want to jump into the last bit, or do we uh, have anything? I think else we're ready. I think it's time. Let's do it. All right. Look, uh, this is off our sophomore album. Uh, this one is uh, called the Throwdown Intro. Welcome to the Throwdown. And I was hoping it was actually the band Throwdown. <laughs> Real angry and aggressive. I'm like, wow, that took a turn. <laughs> That's not what I expected. <laughs> all right, Dougie, what do we got today? Oh my gosh, absolutely. So, for all of you who don't know, the Throwdown. Is something that Justin and I used to plan in advance. Like we'd figure out what it was. Well, originally Justin would just think of it on the fly. Then we started planning, and it, sometimes our production meetings would take forever. We spent so much time trying to figure out who would be in a throwdown. So then we just outsourced it to our our circle of of elders who would, in secret, determine what these are. And we don't know what this is until the very last minute. So we are now just learning that the throwdown this week is going to be between the Blues Brothers versus Tenacious D. I mean, uh, Tenacious D. I'm I'm sorry. I I enjoyed I enjoyed the Blues Brothers movies. I've seen lots of skits. My dad was a big fan. Showed me lots of stuff. Uh, Jack Black blows them out of the water. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to agree on this one. Talent and like multi pronged actor uh, as an actual like singer. He is insane. Is just one of those people that is how it's unfair that you have that much talent and <laughs> that everyone yes. says he's like cool and super nice. Just like, I want to not like you because of how sick you are, but everyone likes you and I like everything you do. So just, yeah. No, no I mean, that's easy. great. I mean, these are all great things, but who win in a fight to the death? I mean, yeah. Having acting skills and singing skills. I mean, does that protect you in a battle to the death? I mean, in, are we talking about Jack Black and all the, the superpowers he's given himself throughout the years, or are we talking about a literal fist fight? Ooh, well, well let's... How many Blues Brothers? There's two. There's only two. Okay, so it's a fair fight. Well, it Remember. depends. I mean, are you folding in John Goodman and uh, um, uh, Jim Belushi as well? I would say for the sake of this matchup, let's keep it... Fair fight. It's a, I say Dan Aykroyd and it's John Belushi, right? John Belushi was the original, and, yeah. And Jim was yeah, okay. Jim was yeah. the replacement for his brother. Life according cousin. to him, yeah. Okay. His brother. I feel like that, <laughs> the, other, the other member of Tenacious D is his name Kyle Gass. Ky- yeah, Kyle. Kyle Gass. Um, I feel like he's got some fucking demons. <laughs> 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 
Oh, I love it. Yeah. Avery in the chat says Tenacious D literally beat the devil. So, I mean, there is that. So, I mean, if we're we're talking about what really is going to happen in a fight, like, Mm -hmm. I think Dan Aykroyd, I, I think he's no. He's like notoriously an asshole or was, did he die? <laughs> is he dead? No, he's alive. Yeah, he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. Um, he was notoriously an asshole. Uh, I, this is like fourth hand here mm-hmm. just from internet and, and videos. Uh, I would guess that John Belushi would probably just have a gun and just shoot them. <laughs> and it would be like, he would say, well, okay, you're dead. Sorry. Indiana Jones style. Just bam, bam. <laughs> Yep, exactly. As they get out their guitars, they're like playing an intro song like Bards and D and D, and they're just like jazzing themselves up, and he just bam, bam, fight over. I feel like I let's not forget though that the Blues Brothers were on a mission from God, right? So they've got they've got the they've got that orphanage they were trying to save, and the good Lord on their side. So I, it's basically it's it's. God versus devil, right? Between the two, the Blues Brothers, and then you know the Tenacious D always went the way of uh, of El Diablo. Mm-hmm. So I really, it's good versus evil in this one. I feel like Jim Jim Belushi's a wild card. Like that guy. I mean, I don't know. Jim? I don't know. John. Whatever. Whatever one was the better one? <laughs> Question mark. John. I don't know. Hundred percent. Sorry, John. John. Yeah, John. Um, that guy is. I mean, I feel like he's super unpredictable. Um, and I think Dan Aykroyd is predictable. But then uh, you kind of going on the other side, you've got Jack Black, who is a jack of all trades. He's very versatile, so I feel like he could adapt to any situation. And his, uh, I feel like the better team is Tenacious D. I feel like those two would work more in tandem. Like, I can imagine they have planned what to do in the event that they face off with another duo. Specifically... It- the Blues Brothers. Exactly. Specifically them. They've yes. already planned this fight. It's like, if this happens, and they're like, what do you mean? They're like, it's, anything's possible in the universe. Part anything's band, possible. Part of band practice is practicing the songs, and then part of band practice is fighting Blues Brothers in their head. Yes. <laughs> I feel like they planned for it. And it may not go according to plan, but they're more prepared, and they are more. Uh, they are a better team, the two of them, yes. than the Blues Brothers. So I think that gives them the edge. I think that gives them the, the victory. Glad we can agree I agree, and as long as they have the metal in their heart, they I feel like that goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so we're unanimous in in the decision, I believe. Yes. Yes. All right. It's official. They won. Woo! Well, that was excellent. That was cool. That was efficient. Uh, this was such an amazing. We appreciate you, Brian and Daniel, for for hanging out with us. Uh, this is so great. Uh, this is the part of the show where we do recommendations. So, if you are listening to something, watching something, reading something, uh, anything you got personally going on, I don't know, maybe a tour, or a album, who knows? But anything you like to recommend to anyone that's watching or listening, the floor is yours. Recommendations like. Any music I'm talking about lately? Yeah, any music uh, you're listening music, to. Movies, if there's a movie you yeah. saw, if there's a show on Netflix where you're like, oh, man, people got to watch this or whatever. Anything you got, by all means. Oh, I'm sure Dan could guess exactly what I'm about to say because I don't shut up about it. But there's a couple of R&B artists that I've been in love with lately. Okay. And one of them is named Lucky Day. He's just, insane. Just put out a song with Alicia Keys. He did. Well, Alicia Keys just put out a song with oh. him. I should probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the way that goes. Uh there's another artist named Victoria Monet that I've been really into lately. So if you, I'm, everybody listening to this is going to come here for rock music and they're going to be like, I don't fuck with that. <laughs> I listen to like 
R and B, chill hop, and pop music. So, uh, and then a, there's an artist called Sleepy Fish that I really like. It's I love Sleepy yeah. Fish. No fucking. I way. fucking love Sleepy Fish. I I listen to chill hop all the time. And yeah. when my wife will listen while she's reading, I come down. I'm like, "You listen to Sleepy Fish?" She goes, "I don't know." They all just kind of. I'm like, "That's Sleepy Fish. I love them. They're so good." That is so funny. Sleepy Fish is definitely. I listen to Chill Hop all the time too, and Sleepy Fish is definitely one of my tops. Um, there's a couple other artists. Some that kind of got me into the genre. There was one called Byrocratic. I don't know if you ever heard of him. I don't think I've heard of that. Um, he's a little more. He doesn't quite get as much on many of those playlists um, as some of the other artists because his. Uh, it's much more groovy um, and a lot of real instruments involved. And I saw him live and he, um, I called it bureaucratic. I think he probably says bureaucratic, Bureau. but, but I don't say that because it, it, you, people might spell out the word bureaucratic. So um, <laughs> he played, but I was kind of, I didn't know what to expect. Like if he was just going to be a dude behind a DJ table and it was a dude behind a DJ table, but he also had a bass in his hand and he was shredding. Him. Whoa. So was very sick. That's so um, cool. I would love to see him bring a live drummer next time, but uh, either way, yeah, bureaucratic, uh, sleepy fish is a really another really good one. Um, there's a bunch. There's one called ASO that's really good. There's one called Middle School that's really good. There's so fucking many. That's yeah. awesome. Chill Hop's an amazing genre, and it's 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 it, it's severely underrated. I think people lump it into the meme of you know Chill Hop beats to study to. Yes. Like, yeah, lo-fi beats. Yeah, exactly. It's and so, so good. I think when a lot of people hear it, they just like, oh yeah, that's just the lo-fi beats to study to. And I'm like, dude, these are some of the coolest arrangements like chord-wise <laughs> I've ever fucking heard in my whole life. They're so <laughs> good. Like, and yeah, I've actually seen, I think it was Pure Noise Records did like some lo-fi chill hop versions of some of like yeah. the artist stuff. And I'm like, I'll yeah, listen to but, this. I saw comments like, oh, this is a bullshit. I can't believe they're doing this. I'm like, I think it's pretty cool. Like, I think Roma, it's pretty neat. I think had a couple songs on that. <laughs> yeah, it was so um, cool. Knocked Loose did too. Knocked Loose did? Yeah, I haven't listened to it. What? How do you even do that? <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. Um, I would love, actually, so you know what's funny? Another Night Alone With You is definitely inspired by Chill Hop. No kidding. Yeah, the song totally is. All right, well, you hear it here. That's amazing. <laughs> there will be another one on the next album. That's amazing. <laughs> I've already started writing it. An hour two. That's fantastic. Daniel, what do you got? Uh, okay, artists that I've been listening to a lot lately that are very good. Um, I love the new Structures EP, um, the new Humanity's Last Breath record, uh, the new Volumes, I think, is the best they've done in a while. Um, the new, or I guess the only Nightlife EP. Uh, highly recommend checking out Nightlife. Uh, and a local, or I guess kind of local a washington rapper called django Hmm. um just saw him at a festival in seattle and kid is fucking sick and about to be going places um also uh our bassist just turned me on to a to an artist called ash nico that i've been all about very tiktok artist but it's pretty cool very tiktok i love it um what does that mean very tiktok (laughs) like it blew up on tiktok okay gotcha yeah (laughs) Uh, very very Gen Z uh, music for sure. Cool. Um, and check out our new record, Slow Bloom. Hell yeah! And, and check we'll out their tour. tour. <laughs> next February with this wildlife and broadside. Awesome. So come on out. Very cool. Justin, what do you got this week? Uh, so I had been wanting to get around to this movie for a while, and uh, because of our esteemed guests, I decided to watch it this week to make sure that I could recommend it. But you need to check out The Sound of Metal, 
the movie uh, Amazon uh, Prime. It's streaming on there. Drummer ear guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Riz Ahmed. And he's I mean, it's just it's an incredible movie. Uh, Wonderful storytelling and insane acting. But from a sound design perspective, to hear the director take you through going deaf and then living with that and then kind of juxtaposing what everyone else is here. Like it's, it's absolutely stunning from, from a music standpoint to a filmmaking standpoint, highly, highly recommend that. So check out the sound of metal. That's cool. Really quick. I know this is such a pedestrian answer, but as far as sound design goes, uh, I just saw Dune in the theater. That shit was fucking tight. Yes, man. Yes. That's, that's the one thing I saw that, I watched it in my at my home. I would have loved to have heard that like in the theater. I bet that would have been pretty Dude, awesome. I was listening. Um, oh man, I bet it would probably be sick to listen with your uh, with the new IEMs. Yeah, that would be tight. Uh, Hans Zimmer had oh. a an interview that he basically said they didn't know that that movie was going straight to streaming. In fact. Most people didn't know oh, yeah. because it was a last minute decision yeah. for it to go straight to streaming. And he was mad I bet. because he was like, hold on. <laughs> we always do it in order. We do theater <laughs> and I did sound design it for theater. And then we put it to streaming and I have a whole time period afterwards where I sound design it for streaming. And they just took my sound design for theater and put it to streaming. And that's not how it works. He's like, I would have changed so much about how yeah. I designed that if that was the case. And so... That's what made me say, I don't usually go to movie theaters, but that's what made me say, I got to go see it in theaters. So that, love that. Yeah. I love Hans Zimmer. He's hands down like my favorite like composer. He does such cool stuff all the time. And he is, as he probably should be, is a huge nerd about oh, yeah. sound design. Like he, that's his, that's his thing. So I can, that's something I didn't consider when it comes to like, oh, we're going straight to streaming. I bet he would have, I bet he flipped his shit. Well, not only <laughs> that, but he's a giant nerd when it comes to Dune too. Yeah. He turned yeah. down scoring Tenant so he could score this. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So go check out Dune in theaters and hear the, hear the soundtrack there. It's way better, I bet. <laughs> Doug, what do you got? Uh, I, I binge watched the, the Witcher season two this weekend and, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, is it perfect? No. A little confusing. Sure. But it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I love that world. I love what they did with it. Um, I really enjoyed season one. So I totally think it's worth a watch. I think there's only eight or nine episodes. So it seems like that's the trend now used to be like 13 episodes and it's like, eh, everything's whittling down. Hawkeye's only got six episodes that comes mm-hmm. out soon. Can't wait to see that. But Witcher season two. I recommend it. Watch it. We can talk about it. It'll be good. Uh, That being said, Brian and Daniel, one last time, where can people find you? Where can they find all of the good stuff about the home team? Uh, On Instagram, we are at the home team. Um, Twitter, at the home team NW. Uh, You can find our two records on Spotify. Just search the home team. You'll find us. Um, check out our new record, Slow Bloom. And if uh, you really want to help the band, join our Patreon. Uh, just patreon.com slash the home team. That's amazing. That's so cool. And judging from what I've seen from the chat, their Patreon folks are awesome. So go join the squad. <laughs> if nothing else, persistent. 
<laughs> uh, you can find Mind Gap on all social medias at Mind Gap Podcast. Uh, you can also check us out live on YouTube Tuesdays night, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central for the podcast. Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Central for the video game live streams. And also, if you'd like to support us, check out our Patreon as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash Mind Gap Podcast. You can also find Justin on the internet realm as well. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Justin underscore Michael spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. And while you're in the online realm, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcast, Amazon music, uh, all the places where, where do you listen to podcasts? You can find us there. <laughs> Subscribe to us, review us, rate us, all those things. The big thing we ask is to share us around. Uh, if you like an episode that you hear, just copy the, the link, send it to someone and say, Hey, these guys are idiots. I think you'd laugh and send it to them. Then 2east8th.com slash mindgap. And then just keep an eye on all of 2east8th's stuff. We've got, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of, of our projects. We've got uh, The Life and Death of a Liberal Arts Major should be coming out early next year. And we are moving into uh, hardcore pre-production on Love and Improv, which is going to be our first feature film shooting next year. So keep an eye on all the updates. Amazing. Once again, Brian and Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time out to hang out with us. This was wonderful. You all are welcome back anytime. We love chatting with you. I wish we had more time to just keep talking. It'd be so much fun. Thank you all for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and with that, I'll say, Justin, thank you. Douglas, thank you. Uh, chat, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And you all have a dandy fucking week. Mind Gap Podcast.